Hey, Lessonators, welcome back to What's the Lesson, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of life lessons and personal growth, ones that benefit both you and your family. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, and today we have Dr. Mark Anderson from the Amen Clinics joining us. If you're unfamiliar with the Amen Clinics, don't worry. We'll get into who exactly Doc Amen is as well as what exactly his clinics do. But back to Dr. Anderson. His journey to the Amen Clinic started at Dixie State University in Southern Utah, where he majored in biology and minored in biochemistry. His passion for understanding the human mind and body led him to Western University of Health Sciences in Oregon, where he earned his Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine degree. It was here that Dr. Anderson discovered his calling in child and adolescent psychiatry, committing his career to enhancing the mental well-being of children, families, and communities. In today's episode, we dive into the brain science that underpins Dr. Anderson's work. We'll explore how brain scans are revolutionizing the way we understand and support our children's mental health. Dr. Anderson brings his expertise in areas crucial to mental wellness, such as sleep, pain management, hormonal dysregulation, and trauma-informed care. We're tackling critical issues from the over-reliance of prescription drugs as quick fixes for our children's mental health challenges to too much time spent on devices. Dr. Anderson offers insights and alternatives that could change the way we approach these issues. So grab your headphones, find a cozy spot, and let's get into this powerful conversation. Welcome to What's the Lesson, the podcast that takes you on a deep dive into the world of character development. We're Jill and Mary, the dynamic duo behind Girls Mentorship. We foster self-confidence, self-esteem, and self-awareness for tween and teen girls, along with their invaluable network of supporters through events, resources, and mentorship. Picture us as your coaches walking alongside you through the world of social-emotional learning and think of this podcast as your own personal roadmap. We'll support you in discovering obstacles that might be holding you back and gain clarity on why this work is a game changer, not only for your growth, but for the next generation of leaders as well. Alongside our fantastic guests, we're here to share knowledge about how you can change old patterns of behavior and make sense of those WTF moments, shifting them into lessons that can drastically improve your life instead. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a superhero stay-at-home mom, or someone fueled by boundless curiosity, our mission is crystal clear, to supercharge your emotional intelligence and sprinkle the magic of SEL into every corner of your life. This is our first official time meeting. Um, we actually did get to see you in person at the grand opening of the Amen Clinics here in Scottsdale, but you were a couple seats behind us. And when we realized it was you, you were answering a question mm. um, or or giving an introduction as Dr. Amen um, introduced you as one of the, um, is it, should I say clinicians, doctors of the Amen Clinics? Because this is a new clinic here in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. Um, so will you actually tell our listeners what the Amen Clinics is? Yeah, so the Amen Clinics, I mean, it, first and first and foremost, is a you know a mental health you know clinic. But we we pride ourselves on doing things you know very differently from kind of the traditional uh, mental health model, right? Where you go in, you sit down with a 
a psychiatrist or a nurse practitioner or a PA or whatever. And, you know, they ask you questions, they ask you questions, uh, uh, how are you feeling? They, you know, depression, anxiety, ADHD, you know, run down the gamut. And then based off of your responses, they go, okay, you meet criteria for depression and um, here's an antidepressant that, you know, hopefully should work. And maybe it does. And often, you know, often it, it does. Right. So it's not to talk bad about the current mental health system, but, you know, we, we try to do things a little bit better. And I think the first thing that we do and the kind of the core with, you know, Dr. Amen and everybody that works with Dr. Amen and really believes um, in the direction that he, you know, would like to see mental health go is that we look at the organ we're treating and that organ is the brain. Now, uh, neurologists have been looking at the brain for a long time, right? They do an MRI and they go, oh, there's a, there's a tumor or, oh, you had a stroke or, you know, they look at the structure of the brain and then are sometimes able to use that information to diagnose things. But psychiatrists say we, we don't really get that opportunity because a lot of times what we're looking at is the, really the mind, right? And, and that's a harder thing to draw a picture of, um, you know, because it, it can be not just the structure, but also the way that structure is functioning. So the, 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 neuro, the neurotransmitters, the way things are wired. And it's only been in the last, you know, handful of years that we've even been able to start to look at the function and the activity of the brain in any way that would, um, I don't know, be useful in any way, like to clinicians that anybody would really give a damn about. Um, and that has clinical relevance um, and is also at least a- affordable, right? Because up until very recently, you know, the only way you could get a functional uh, imaging study of the brain was usually in some uh, big ass university somewhere as part of some research project, right? In some research lab. And, and so that's been really helpful. And, and, you know, as a psychiatrist who was trained in the traditional way of doing things, the same way that Abraham Lincoln was diagnosed with depression, you know, 100, 150 plus years ago, um, is, um, you know, using our spec scans, you know, looking at the brain, looking at the functional activity of the brain. And, I, you know, I can absolutely say that it is a game changer in how I am able to um, talk to my patients about how I am able to diagnose, how about how I'm able to treat, whether that be with medications or, or the whole other gamut of awesome options that I think working with the Amen Clinic has made me much more aware of. Things like neurofeedback, things like hyperbaric oxygen therapy, things like, you know, integrative medicine and nutraceuticals, uh, diet and nutrition, right? The role that a lot of this stuff can really play in, in our mental health. Um, that of course we as Americans, we always want the quick fix. It's easy to just take a pill and hope it makes us better than to put work into actually, you know, uh, making those permanent changes. But, um, but yeah, I think that's really the big thing, right? Is we look at the brain, we use SPECT imaging, which is a functional imaging modality to look at the activity of the brain. Um, and then we use that information in our assessment, diagnosis, and treatment. Um, so uh, so that's number one. And then I think the other thing that we do that's very different from the traditional model is time, right? A patient comes into us, they are going to spend time 
with the spec scans, they're going to spend time doing uh, psychological testing. They're going to spend two hours with a historian um, to gain a whole lot of information about what's going on. And then they're going to spend, you know, an hour and a half to two hours with me at the end of all of that, where I've already looked at their history. I've already looked at their spec scans, already looked at the testing. And so then we just get to spend time together talking about things, uh, connecting, building rapport, um, validating, right? That's the other thing about spec scans and being able to actually see it is it helps take mental um, mental issues, you know, um, with mental illness. I know Dr. Eamon doesn't like that term. He likes brain health, you know, conditions, right? But it, it does. It helps, it, it helps transform what's going on from this character characterologic flaw in oh i'm am, am i a bad person am, am i a piece of mm-hmm. shit am i lazy am i this am i that or my husband is or my per this is you know and all of the judgments and biases that come along with mental illness and objectify it into a brain health issue that can be really powerful for people right it can and how they feel about themselves and about how their families feel about them and their struggles right, right? and that that alone can I think probably has carries more weight um, as far as treatment's concerned than any medication I could throw at you. It gives them an answer. Yeah, Yeah. it's validating. And I think something that I'm seeing on social media within the last couple of years is um, a lot of like moms and dads getting diagnosed with ADD or ADHD uh, being on the spectrum Mm -hmm. in some sort. And like, breathing a deep breath saying, I finally have answers. I suspected something was wrong, but no one was ever able to tell me. Um, And just how much relief that is for them to have answers to what they know as quirks or things that they were quote unquote doing wrong, or, you know, they were the oddball. So Mm -hmm. it is very cool to see the clinic and its capabilities. I think we were most blown away by the imagery because Mm -hmm. I, I honestly didn't even know. I knew, I knew Doc Amon was the doc of the celebs. The TikTok doc. And the TikTok doc. I didn't really know the work that he's been doing for so many years now. And to see real life stories of, you know, what people's brains actually look like. As a mom, I was sitting in the audience being like, this is going to provide so many families answers that they're questioning. Because, yeah, you can look at your kiddo and be like, man, maybe he is a little anxious or maybe he does have ADHD or, okay, well, let's go get him checked out. And and to be able to verify it, like truly verify your inclinations through a a brain scan versus just someone telling you Mm -hmm. what you're basically telling them. Like, yeah, you're so anxious. Yeah, you have anxiety (laughs) disorder, right? You do. Um, I think that's such a gift that these scans – Offer and why we felt so compelled to bring you onto the podcast today because more families need to know about these clinics because it is going to be a game changer for just those big questions that can keep you up at night as a parent. Well, and I think on the other other side of that, one of our running jokes now between us is that person just needs a brain scan. (laughs) It's it's literally like I can't get annoyed with people. I can't, cause there's so much that goes into it. I mean, 
it's trauma, it's Mm -hmm. screens, it's lack of sleep, it's diet. So what you painted the picture of was really a holistic approach that your clinic goes through, right? They they don't just get a brain scan and you ship them out the door. You get a brain scan. You talk to a historian, you talk to you, you go then to talk to you. If there's supplementation that's needed, it's not necessarily a drug, which again, drugs aren't a bad thing, but we don't necessarily want to take that as the first Mm -hmm. um, line of defense. It should be the last line of defense. Well, and drugs um, are band drugs are band aids. I mean, yeah, very few of our psychiatric drugs, right? And and I I'm a believer in drugs. I prescribe them commonly. Like I know that they can be uh, powerful tools, and especially when I have the spec imaging to guide my choice of of drug, right? That is makes it even more powerful. But very few psychiatric drugs, just like very few drugs in general, actually fix anything. They they just mm-hmm. they just put a band aid on, right? Right. Um, they they correct it for a short period of time and they make it better. But, but once that drug is gone, it's just like a blood pressure medication. Um, you can take a blood pressure medication and your blood pressure can be good. But once you stop taking that blood pressure medication, unless you've made diet changes, unless you've lost weight, unless you've corrected whatever underlying issue was causing that blood pressure to go up, your blood pressure is just going to be high again. So, you know, medications are powerful tools, but they don't really fix anything. And we need to forget about just sticking people on medications and leaving them there uh, potentially indefinitely uh, because it's an easy solution and really work with our patients. And you don't need a spec scan to do this. You don't, and that's the other thing though. You don't need a spec scan to be a good psychiatrist or a good doctor. Um, just the just remembering that you should be there to help patients fix the underlying issues, not just cover them up with medications. Right. If you can, if if you can keep that in mind, and always prescribe a medication, hopefully with an exit strategy for that medication. In most cases, now, you know, if you're if you have schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, there may be times when a person is kind of destined to be on medications for the indefinite future. But barring those cases, most of our patients don't necessarily need them lifelong. Right. And we have to try to remember that they're only Band-Aids and that we need to be helping our patients fix the underlying issues that are causing those problems, whether that be unresolved trauma, whether that be lifestyle issues, whether that be difficulties with stress management, whether that be substance abuse issues. Uh, one one that's a big passion of mine because it's a dragon that I've chased my whole life and is is, is sleep, right? Mm-hmm. We as a country don't sleep. It's this whole oh sleep when you're dead mentality, mm-hmm. and there's been really good research to show, uh, very recent research and big big studies to show that more than diet, more than exercise, the best thing that we can do to improve our quality of life and improve the amount of time we get to spend on this floating ball of rock in the sky is <laughs> sleep. Yeah. Um, it's the best thing we can do for ourselves. And so if, if, if we're dealing with untreated sleep apnea or just poor sleep hygiene, especially in our kiddos, our teenagers, you know, none of them want to sleep anymore. They're, you know, they're too, they're too busy, uh, tick and they know with phones and everything screen. else, right? right. It's, it's sleep is a sleep is a, an epidemic in this country or lack yeah. thereof. Yeah, right. the last statistic we read on sleep was that fifteen percent of teenagers get the recommended amount of sleep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have a 
I have a question for I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play okay the new listener learning about the the Amen Clinic mm-hmm. and they're they're tuning into this episode and they're like wow this is really interesting um, do do I need to have an issue um, to come and get scanned so what are the most common what are the what are what are the most common types of people or children that you see in your clinic that come and see you? Because what you just said, you don't have to have schizophrenia or bipolar. If you have anxiety or, or, or a sleep problem, can you come in and see in your brain scan that there's a problem? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I wish I could, and, and who knows, maybe, maybe 20 more years down the road. Um well, it'll be better, but you know, unfortunately, spec scans don't all. Even though they can show us an issue, they they don't necessarily tell us exactly why that thing's going on, right? Um, or maybe define what shows but, up in a spec scan. Yeah, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, but I mean, well, to go back to the first part of your question, I think anybody that wants to learn more about their brain wants to learn more about uh, about how they operate and about you know this this of. Uh, you know, four pound lump of flesh that's, that makes them <laughs> human, right. Uh, can, can come in and potentially benefit. The other thing I think is important is just like I tell I, I, all of my patients and myself, there's, if, if, if you think there's nothing wrong with you, that's one of the biggest things that's wrong with you. <laughs> and come we get can all, Got it. we can all benefit from learning more about ourselves. We can all benefit from maybe doing some psychotherapy, right? Anybody can benefit from therapy. Anybody can benefit from um, change, right? I mean, that's that's the beautiful thing about life is if we embrace change and we embrace the fact that we're all human and we can make mistakes and we can learn and grow. So I think anybody could come into the Amen Clinic and walk away with something valuable that they can take and hopefully improve their life and improve the life of their families, right? But common things being common, you know, um, I, as a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and I see adults too, and I'm board certified in adults also, um, but um, I see a lot of ADHD. And ADHD is really cool because you can see ADHD on a brain scan. It, it's it's really interesting. I mean, it looks like, you know, when you're looking at the front part of the brain, especially when you're looking at it from like underneath and you're looking at the bottom of the brain, um, often ADHD, especially if it's not well treated or managed, it'll look like two big giant holes, like right above where your eyes would be in the front part wow. of the brain. Um, and, and what we'll typically see is that it'll be better at rest. And then during, during periods of concentration, when you're trying to step on the mental gas pedal, it'll sputter out and those areas will get worse. They should get better, but they get worse. And that's, that's a picture of the pathophysiology of ADHD makes it really easy to diagnose it. Um, it also makes it easy to pick it apart from, the cognitive issues that can come from things like depression and anxiety. So that's really helpful information. So that's one um, anxiety and depression, PTSD, right? These are um, common in the population, PTSD way more common than it should be. And unfortunately, and I don't see that letting up anytime soon, but um, typically we'll see when we look at the deeper parts of the brain and we're looking at the emotional system of the brain, the limbic system, uh, we'll often see those areas very lit up. We'll see, you know, if there's a lot of anxiety, we'll typically see 
a lot of activity in these big spots that kind of sit um, on each side of the brain called the basal ganglia. Um, if we're seeing a lot of depression, we'll typically see a, a, like right in the center of the brain, like there's a big old guy called the, the thalamus in the deeper part of the limbic system, and often we'll see a lot of activity there, um, and a number of things. And then typically, if we see a kind of general lighting up of that whole area, um, and we start digging, we can usually tie that into tr trauma, because what we know about physical trauma, sexual trauma, emotional, psychological trauma, especially if it happens in the younger years when our brains are still developing, um, it can wire the brain and the limbic system to become mm. really chronically hyperactive, which can cause a host of li you know, potentially lifelong systems, symptoms if it's not identified and properly treated. And then the other one that we see a lot of either as a standalone thing or in people with all of these other issues is traumatic brain injury, right? We all go through life and we all conk our noggin. We get into car accidents. You know, we do fall off of slides. We, we do all get drunk and do all sorts of dumb crap that we barely remember <laughs> we the do? next day. day. Us? I don't know. Do you? <laughs> not not really anymore. Not That's since meeting right. Dr. Raymond. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know it makes it I know it make, it makes that night it makes that nightcap or that after that after work beer a little bit harder to work with. Than <laughs> Dude, really? Yeah. You know, True. He, he lays it on thick, man. <laughs> That's but funny. But he does it for all the right reasons, right? He Absolutely. really does. Um, He's got a heart of gold. Um, I've got two thoughts. So for those of you who are a visual learner, this is looking at the difference between what we saw as kids with the egg in the frying pan saying that this was your brain on drugs. Like that was the pictorial that we all had. <laughs> it might have made you want to eat breakfast. It might have impacted you. I don't know. But the, the brain scans they have now, it looks like a clock. And it's got like 12 different brains around the clock. And it's an ADHD brain. It's a brain with dementia, it's a brain with Parkinson's, um, and you can actually see it based on colors. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you said in an ADHD brain, you can see almost two holes if you're looking at it from the bottom. They're not actually holes in the brain, are they? No, no, that no. And I tell that to all of my patients before I put right. scan. I said, listen, this is a this is a functional scan, not a structural scan like an MRI. So if we see areas of your brain where it looks like there's dents or there's missing tissue or there's holes, like you don't have holes in your brain. Um, or, you know, it's all still there. It's still alive. It's fine. Um, <laughs> That's it's important just, because I would, I would, I would be like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah I, 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 I started making sure that that, that disclaimer got there initially after having a patient like, oh, when I first started and they're like, do I have holes in my brain? <laughs> okay, so the yes. follow-up to that thought then is you said something really important that I want to dig a little deeper on. You said if trauma, uh, whether it's physical, sexual, uh, verbal, oh, sure. emotional, happens in the younger years, we really like to impart this on the parents that we work with in terms of the brain not being fully developed. And if certain things happen or the way something is said or if something is imparted on that brain that is still developing, it is something that stays for potentially ever. Like you said, it's wired that way. Mm -hmm. We wire it. So we're wiring, we're firing, we're creating neural pathways. Is that something, I know the answer, but I want to stay here. Is that something that can be rewired? So with psychiatric help, with a change in, um, you know, medicine or if it's drugs or supplements, is that something that that trauma can be reworked and then rewired so we can refire the natural response? Yeah. I mean, to, 
to, to some, ex, to some extent now, you know, un- unfortunately, you know, I, sometimes you can never, I, I don't know if you can ever get back a hundred percent, um, in everybody, <coughs> excuse me, a little froggy in my throat, but, um, but yes, you know, we know, right. We we've known for a long time that psychotherapy, you know, um, even before we get into all the, the cool space agey stuff that we have now with like neurofeedback and some of these other technology assisted options, um, good old fashioned psychotherapy, if done with a good therapist and done in the right way, um, has a remarkable chance to um, help rewire the brain, um, you know, and, and actually impart long term, long lasting changes. Um then, you know, that's, that's one thing. And when we see a lot of that, right, there's a lot of psychotherapies that are more specifically used to address, you know, trauma. We think of like EMDR, um, CBT for trauma. Um, there's a handful of them, you know, we also see a lot of, uh, residential programs and dialectical behavioral therapy and some of these other treatment modalities that are meant to kind of help address and rewire the consequences of the trauma, which can be fragile sense of self, uh, self-harming behaviors, um, chronic depression and anxiety, uh, difficulty with instability in relationships. Um, <coughs> excuse me. My gosh. I'm sorry. Get yourself a drink of water. I know. That's okay. Get that froggy out of your throat. Take a sip. Take a sip. <laughs> That's right. But, Is uh, there water in there? No. <laughs> yeah, until I'm choking to death on my water. And we really have a problem. But, uh, but yes, um, you know, there's so many things that we can do to help. I think the trick is recognizing it, validating it, and then having the systems in place to, to then address it. Um, and those, you know, as, as you guys, you know, probably are, are, are aware, and I, a lot of your listeners, uh, it sounds based off of what I'm hearing, you know, the understand the importance of one that when the treatment's done, right. When, when, kiddo the person is is going home or um what does that look like too right we it's because we know that you know all of the therapy and medications and programs in the world might not do a whole heck of a lot if you are continuing to live in a stressful chaotic potentially traumatizing unstable situation or you don't have an adequate support system in place right um I think if, um, you know, I, I, I can't say I think because, you know, I, if I the research, I, there's lots of research to show this, but I, I, I would not want to be pressed to just start throwing articles out right now online uh, <laughs> during our interview. But I think if we really wanted to spend our money wisely, when we think about how we could help our future, I think really trying to help restabilize the family systems in this country and revamp our foster care system, which is not great, um, is something where we could, you know, we want the most bang for our buck for the future of our kiddos, for the future of our country. You know, those are the, these are the places that we should be really spending our money and putting, putting work into, because again, until we're able to reverse some of this stuff and we're able to pull these kids and pull people out of these very chaotic, unstable, damaging situations, you can keep throwing money at their mental health care. You can keep doing all of these things, but 
how much is that really going to to change? Well, it's a Band-Aid again. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I it just makes me think that the cycle is going to continue. Well, exactly. Um, if Well, and it will if we don't properly treat them accordingly because, you know, they're growing up with this damaged brain and then they're having kids and then those kids are are learning from generational trauma trauma and the cycle just continues and i think this is why we're so passionate about having this resource at our fingertips and and i agree not everyone's going to have access to it however um you can stop generational trauma now mm-hmm. um even if you feel well, I, I love the call out of like, just go get your brain scan just to see how how you're doing. Well, even if it's not the brain scan, because you said you don't need the brain scan. You need somebody who's good at their job. But even if that's not accessible, totally. I have cruised the website and there are so many resources for people to do right now at home mm-hmm. that if they took the time and energy to explore right. and actually adopt them, you could help do that. You could help 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 your brain just by simply doing a few of the things that are suggested on the good old blog, which is free 90 free. Free 90 free. Um, and Dr. Anderson, you are a father of three. I am. And um, as we were, you know, looking over your bio, we noticed that one of your kiddos experiences um, anxiety and also has ADHD. So um, can you talk to us from now, like a parent point of view, with the knowledge that you have in the work that you do around how you support your kiddo at home that isn't potentially the traditional way? Um, Traditional way is ignoring it and just pretending like he's going to or she's going to outgrow it. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you support or like, I just, what's practical advice that you can give other families that also have kiddos with similar similar conditions but aren't a doctor correct well uh, uh first off i say um be patient with yourself as a parent because even as a child psychiatrist right even as a doctor you know i i am by far and away a perfect parent you know you lose your shit too is what you're saying i mean i i grew i grew up uh you know my sister and i grew up raised by a single dad ex-marine he was a yeller mm. You know, he wasn't a hitter, but man, he was a yeller and a swear. And, you know, I, every day, like I, that's something that I'm conscious about because if, if, if I'm having a bad day, if my temp, my temper gets a hold of me, yes, my voice can sometimes go up. Right. And, and that's not helpful. Um, but again, I, I'm not perfect. Right. We, and as parents, we have to remember that there's no such thing as a perfect parent. You know, one, one of my favorite books, uh, ideas is kind of the good enough, the good enough parent. Like there really is this idea that like, you don't have to be a perfect parent to be a good parent. Um, I think one of the best things that we can do is to be present. So being present with our kids, which means when we write, um, whether they have anxiety or ADHD or not is, you know, when we're at home with our kids, um, being able to put the, you know, put it, putting our phone down, being able to stop and give them a little bit of genuine time um to uh, and that alone can go so far just just your kids knowing that you are like you that you're there and that when you're there and you're with them like you're with them with them mm. 
which can be very hard to do when there's laundry that needs to be done and this bill needs to get paid and grocery shopping and oh we got to make dinner right we live in a really busy busy world a lot of families both parents are working sometimes more than one job um you know it costs way too much you know the only thing that doesn't going up in our country cost wise is wages right so you know we don't we don't unfortunately in today's day and age we don't really most of us don't get the opportunity to kind of live that traditional american dream that you know we all grew up thinking about you know um but but we can still take moments small amounts of time in our day when we're at home with our children to be present with our children and i think that is that is huge I also think giving honest, constructive, specific feedback and praise for things. Ooh, can say be it really again. Helpful. Say it again. Yes. <laughs> right. Honest, specific, constructive feedback and praise. Right. Is huge, um, and and both ways. So praising them with, for things that they are doing well in in a very honest and in specific way that shows that you aren't just like, oh, good, good job, Timmy. That's great. Okay, cool. Um, now back to, back to Facebook, um, or whatever yeah. it is today. today. So it used to be my space, but I don't think. <laughs> um, You're probably right with the parents. It, it could be a little Instagram, but Facebook's still up there depending yeah. on the age. That's the only one I have. I check it like once, once or twice a week. I don't know. I, you know, I think that's been the other thing that's kept me from, from diving down the podcast. I'm like, Oh, I have to get more involved in social media. I don't <laughs> we get it. It yeah. is a game. Uh, it is a full-time job. Uh, yeah, seriously. But going back to what you were saying, I think that can be helpful. And and then the other way too, like when there, when there are things that you want your kids to do, right? Instead of just stop that, don't do that, blah, 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 it, which is easy to do. Um, but to, but, but to stop and say, well, don't do that. And here's why, right? We need to remember that parents are, parents are teachers too. Our job is to not just tell our children not to do something or to do something, but to help them understand why it's important, right? That way they don't go through life just waiting for waiting for other people to tell them or not to tell them to do or not do the next thing, because that's just promoting learned helplessness. And that's not helping them grow into the uh, independent, uh, autonomous adult that you hopefully want them to be, right? So we have to be teaching our kids. Um, and then I think specifically when we think about the ADHD or the anxiety or those types of things, um, like you said earlier, not just ignoring it and pretending that it doesn't exist, uh, not just also just putting it all on the kid. Um, and because children are a product of their environment. So if there is anxiety in a kiddo, ADHD, um, trying to think about, well, what can we as a household do? What can I as a parent do? How can we kind of work to create a more harmonious um, environment that's more conducive to less anxiety and better outcomes? You know, so working, really working as a team with our children to help them figure it out and, and realizing that we might as parents actually have to put some work into and not just expect some medication or some therapy or mm-hmm. something to just fix our kid, right? Um, that's another big one. And, and then just patience, patience with ourselves and patience for our child, right? If we can be present, if we can be patient and if, if we can be open, um, that is going to create a, 
dynamic of trust and, and understanding to where our children can feel comfortable coming to us and telling us how they feel without there being a lot of judgment or or rid of judgment or punishment or, or anything else. Because unless we really know how our children are doing, then it's how to, how are we supposed to help them in the best way we can? You know, so I think those are those are big those are big places to start. It's awesome. Well, gosh, and they're not again, no pun intended. It's not rocket science. No, it's not. Right? It's it's they're know. very doable things. And when we first started this conversation, there was a comment made about like the hustle culture that we're in as Americans. Like, well, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'm really happy I don't do that. I'll probably take a nap here in about an hour and yeah. a half once Jill leaves. <laughs> Big sleeper. <laughs> Love me a good nap. So good. it's funny because we wear that as a badge of honor, right? Mm-hmm. How hard can I go? How much can I grind? And you saying those things around creating an environment and really it's a same team mentality. Mm-hmm. You have to get on the same team as your child and not blame them for what's going on, but really take responsibility for what's going on as well as figuring out the solution. And to me, what you just said is figuring out the solution really makes people slow down. We have to slow down in order to find out what's mm-hmm. going on and then figure out a path forward for all of us to be able to live harmoniously. Because if something is off in one of the members of the family, then we're dis- we're we're not in harmony anymore. Mm-hmm. And in order for us to continue on in a way that's conducive for all of us to feel harmonious together, we have to help the person who is struggling. And along the way, you might just find out that you're also struggling with something that you didn't know you had. Because is ADHD or ADD, is that passed down from, is that genetic? Is that environmental? Is it both? Like, do you find that a lot of the kids that you work with also have parents that go undiagnosed with either one of these things as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and yeah, there's, you know, a lot of evidence out there, you know, it's no secret that, that for a vast majority of psychiatric illness, there's a, a genetic, um, genetics Component. are at play. Um, now there's absolutely the idea of nature and nurture, right? Certainly we know that genetics are not, usually not by themselves enough to always cause something. Now that's not always the case, but uh, the combination of genetics and environment and upbringing and situational things, right. Can, can uh, cause a a perfect storm, so to speak. But yes, we, I see ADHD in families all the time. I have seen many, many uh, parents bring their child in for an ADHD evaluation. And um, the, parent is absolutely, I, I mean, I can just watch and I can see it unfold. I'm like, oh yeah, well, yeah, mom's got ADHD too, right? It was never <laughs> diagnosed. And a lot of that's because, well, when they were a kid, we, the awareness wasn't there, the diagnosis wasn't there. And we, I think we have a, we as a culture overall have come a long ways in recognizing mental illness and being willing to accept it and be open to the idea of it and talk about it. Now, the, even, even in the younger generations and, and you know, there's, um, uh, you know, there can be still a lot of stigma against it. And certainly I think in the older generations, you know, you, uh, I've heard, I can't tell you how many patients and people I owe my, oh yeah, my mom and dad, you know, they were, they were old, they, they were old school, you know, they, you didn't, you didn't talk about your depression. You didn't talk about anxiety. You didn't talk about anything. You right. just kind of stuffed it down, swept it under the you rug, swept it under the rug with a combination mm-hmm. of workaholism and alcoholism. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and just, it never got talked about. Right. Well, that obviously doesn't work. That's not a good way to handle our problems. But if, if you were raised in that, if you were raised in that type of household and now you've got children of your own, it might be very difficult for you, even though you are trying your hardest and you want what's best for your child. It may be as a product of your own upbringing, very difficult to talk about these things. And and it may feel very uncomfortable and it may be really hard. And it may even bring up, it may even bring up things in you that you've tried to kind of dissociate from and sweep under the rug, right. That, that have happened or, and, and it can sometimes bring up a lot of our own trauma and we have to be willing as parents, if we really want to do what's best, not only for our children, but for ourselves, we have to be willing to recognize that if it does come up and say, you know what, maybe one of the, one of the best things I can do to help my child is to go get my own help. Mm. Right. I mean, mic drop on that statement. It is so important. And we're now in a society where we are embracing that, Mm -hmm. that Everyone, everyone needs somebody to talk to. Um, I think it's so, it, it's just, it, it's critical. It's critical because it's coming at the cost of our children's childhood. And I know parents um, who maybe had a harder childhood is like, I don't want to give that to my kids. So it's our due diligence to put the work in so our kids can also see, hey, mom and dad are doing the work too right alongside you. I think it's a beautiful call out. It, it really, it, it is. And it's very cool to see. And I know we have a long way to go, obviously. You know, there there's so much left as a culture that we have to explore, but it has come such a long way since we've seen the the good old egg in the frying pan, right? To to really, that that's our <laughs> one example of what mental health looks like. And there's you know, terms we can't use anymore. You don't, you don't just call somebody crazy. You know, there used to be the hand signal. I haven't seen anybody do that in such a long time now that we're having this conversation, right? The around the brain, like it's this, like Mm -hmm. we now know that there's something that that person needs help with as opposed to just pointing and laughing or, or writing them off as crazy uncle Jerry. Like we now have resources to be able to give to that person or, or direct them to someone to mm-hmm. get them the help that they need so they're not suffering alone. Right. And the fact that that is so out in the open really does give permission to a lot of people, including the younger generation, to talk openly about it, which isn't something that Jill and I really experienced growing up ourselves. So in a very short amount of time, the book has been opened, which mm-hmm. is very cool. Well, and to that point, we have discovered personal growth and development, which has allowed us to really start to look at ourselves in a different way and unpack how we were raised, but also in tandem say, hey, why don't you go talk to somebody about that? Yeah, there's only so much self-reflection you can do, and it's okay to go and seek out professional help and other resources to support you in moving through the trauma and the past so that it doesn't meet you where you are today. Absolutely. Yeah. Stop you from 
what you're Literally. meant to do because right. it is debilitating. It's absolutely debilitating. Mm-hmm. Dr. Raymond told us a story at the grand opening of a patient that he had whose mom brought him in and he um, it just had a hard time living. And he'd seen doctor after doctor, probably got medicated and, and thrown band-aids, if you will, at. Mm-hmm. And he sat him down, shot him straight, said, I want to help you. I think I can, but you need to get on board as well. Like you need to also follow the protocol. And I mean, lo and behold, he got got him on some supplements, wrote out some sort of a plan for him to follow. And the guy calls or stops in three months later and is a totally different person, like actually has control of his brain and just was so thankful for Doc Amen seeing that in him. So I imagine that you get to work with and see cases like that often of people who have just suffered and suffered and suffered and haven't found an answer. And boom, they they happen upon the clinic. They happen upon you and the team. And you extend that solution to them and it's not something they've heard before because typically as a society we've also just been closed off to non-traditional quote-unquote things so we're talking about holistic measures here and that can be like witchcraft and wizardry yeah freaking hippies man (laughs) <laughs> right, right. So it's um, just go roll around in the grass. You'll be fine. Just burn, <laughs> Take some we'll just burn this- some. We'll burn some sage. Some reiki. It's all good. Yeah, just get your Palo Santo and Crush your problems will dandelion. <laughs> your problems right? will disappear. But you know what's so funny about that is, um, I, if I've asked people, so you guys do. I've had that. You know, so you guys like replace it. That'll do like reiki crystals, or you'll do like that kind of stuff. Because I, I, I just think that's bull crap. And I'll say, you know what? Honestly, I. I'm not a I'm not a crystal practitioner. I but I can but I can't so I don't know if it works or not from that respect. Like I don't know if aligning your chakras is a thing or not necessarily a thing. However, I will say that if I tell you that a sugar pill is going to help you feel better and you take that sugar pill, odds are you will feel better. And that mm. that 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 is um that feeling is measurable. We call that the placebo effect, right? Yeah. Right. Now, I think that there's just because we don't understand something and we can't measure something with the tools that we have doesn't mean that it's not real or it doesn't work. So I am not here trying like bagging on any of that stuff. In fact, I I'm a I mean, I work at the Amen Clinic because I'm a believer that there's a lot more that we can be doing outside of just pills and um you, you know, pills to to help people feel better. Uh but but even if that's not the case, if if it helps, if it if somebody, if it helps them feel better in some way and it brings them some relief or comfort to burn some sage or to, um, to have a, a a salt crystal lamp on their desk or whatever it may be, well then why are we why would we stand in the way of that? Hundred percent. I don't understand it. I'm that person. Yeah, Jill, the (laughs) crystal queen she is, is loving. But (laughs) I will say there are other really incredible modalities, but it's not going to solve your deep-rooted problems. It's in, again, it it, it in parallel with getting the right help versus like the self-diagnosis. I can jump on WebMD. I can go on TikTok and totally go down a rabbit hole and be like, well, I have this problem and now I'm going to you know, do my all my other weird stuff the to make me feel better. The best one I've ever seen was 
my beard itches, jump on WebMD. Oh God, I have beard cancer, right? (laughs) So the self-diagnosis, especially in Gen Z and Gen Alpha, what Mm -hmm. we're seeing right now, Mm -hmm. TikTok is a plethora of incredible information. It really has allowed people to um, take the news story back from the professional journalists, which I think is a good thing as well as a terrible thing because we can take something for face value and right. diagnose ourselves with something that has nothing to do with what we actually have and live that as our truth. Right. And you well, had a major eye roll and a a, a big uh, <laughs> shake your head at that statement. I just, so well, I'd, I'd I love just, to sit I, there for a minute. I, I, it's well as as a, as a physician, right? And and I mean, I we could. We, you know, I, I could spend all, all day going on about everything political and blah, 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 and turn this into one of those things. And I, I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a migraine that I don't want to deal with. Um, yeah, we're going to, we'll, we'll but, skip that for another but, time. But, but, but I will say, and I think, and I do think that, right, the, the vac- vaccines are a really good example of this, where regardless of whether you believe in them or not, whatever, that's not the point. Um, as a doctor, I have like, we, we go to school, we have a lot of training, we learn a lot, we, we do a lot. And then it, it does bother me sometimes to have my my opinion or the opinion of many, many physicians be usurped by a social media influencer who, as far I, I, who, I don't know, did they even graduate high school? I don't know if they what they know about it. And, and right. it's just this idea that like, there are a lot, there's a lot of information out there, right? And that's not a bad thing, right? We don't want to close off information to the public because, well, that's that's freedom and we want that. But we have to be able to figure out how to validate our information before we act on it. We don't do a very good job of that. We, we see something on TikTok, somebody sells something, right? Um, you know, Adolf Hitler was a hell of a speaker. That's how he, one of the ways he was able to take power. It, people can sell you all sorts of evil and make it sound really great. Or, and we have to be better as a society for our mental health, for our physical health at stopping and, and taking a critical look at the information that's being fed to us on social media, regular media, etc., and appraising that for what it really mm-hmm. is before we act on it. Um, and, and I think, if we could start to be able to do that as a society, we would see a huge decrease in a whole lot of problems that we have in, in our culture. Um, and a lot of which are mental health related. Uh, we, we just, there's too much coming at us. There's too much stimulation. There's too much information. And we as a society are not good at stopping to take the time to really look at, at it for what it is, whether that be truth or complete and utter bullshit. Totally. Well, you tied this episode up with a beautiful bow. Yeah. Because that is, that's it. I think as consumers, we live in such a consumer based society that is such a beautiful takeaway, in addition to so many other golden nuggets that came from this episode. Truly, Dr. Anderson, thank you for your time. We know your time is valuable. Mm-hmm. And listeners, we thank are going guys. to we're going to we're going to put all of his information, the clinic's information in the show notes and do yourself a favor. Check out the Amen Clinic, but also do what Mary said earlier in the episode. Look at their free resources. Truly, it can help you and it's a game changer if you are a parent as well. 
with just questioning a lot of things. So, well, and honestly, we have a few books, so we might do a book giveaway for this particular episode because oh, we have Good call we out. have a couple of Dr. Amen's books we do. that are incredibly helpful as I love well. That. So, and um, just and I, I'm a big bibliotherapy type guy, and so if there's you know from for my par- our parents out there for our people who are who are listening you know, a couple of book recommendations that I would oh, yeah. give, um, for, for anybody who struggles with self-doubt or deals with depression and anxiety and, and those constant feelings of like, it's not enough. I'm not enough. There's a, there's a book called the gap in the game. The, um, author is the author's name is, is escaping me right now, despite my best effort to remember it, but the book that's is okay. We'll put it in our show game. notes. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. And it is, it's a, beautiful book that's basically trying to help us stop stop focusing all of our uh, all of our intention and our energy on what we want and what's going to make us happy in the future because that's always a moving target and start looking and focusing more on how far we've come mm-hmm. right L- living in the gain not in the gap um a, an amazing book that i think everybody should pick up and at least and at least thumb through while they're sitting on the toilet um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, hey, it feels potty like reading doc- is good reading. I don't it, care what it is. says. I, potty I, reading <laughs> is good reading. I, know. I feel like, honestly, Dr. Anderson is on staff at Girls Mentorship 100%. because so much of what we talked about in this last 49 minutes <laughs> is just reinforcing mm-hmm. what we preach with the families that we work with. So thank you for not only providing ways to validate what's going on in families across the United States, but also validating that we're on the right track and we're doing the right thing to serve our communities and the girls that we once were. And, and you know, and I think, you know, a, a, a big round of applause to you guys for taking the time and putting in the work to, you know, get messages like, like this out there to speak to people you know, good, good, goofy, goofy guys like me that might have something to say, um, and and everybody else, and just really trying to 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 send a message of hope and, and love and and inspiration out there. You guys are doing such amazing work, and so thank you, yeah. uh, thank you for thank having you. me. Absolutely, we're gonna do it again. So good. be prepared I'm, for another email for exchange part, part two. I'm, Y'all, yeah, thank I, you for listening. I am, I'm D, I, I'm I'm DTP down to podcast. So. Down to podcast. <laughs> Uh, on that note, we're kicking y'all out and we'll plan our next our next podcast after this. So we'll see y'all later on the next episode of What's the Lesson. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to What's the Lesson. If you're feeling the same I can do anything attitude that we are, here's how you can keep the momentum going. Spread the good vibes. Share this episode with your friends, family, or give us a shout out on your social media. Fancy a trip to iTunes Town? We're all ears for your ratings and reviews. Seriously, we read each one of them. Your thoughts are like gold to us. Lastly, let's be friends. Hang out with us on social media for more awesome content and behind the scenes action. And until we meet again, remember our golden rule. Turning those WTF moments into WTL moments is a superpower. Practice is always progress. And you've got this.